Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. We're going to be in the book of Leviticus, chapter 14. Before we get into it, let's start with some prayer. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you um, just for your mercies, God, your grace, um, your love, your kindness. God, that we get to wake up another day in your presence. Lord, I pray for all those that maybe um, have had a bad week so far. God, I pray that this morning would be the moment that everything turns around for them. God, as we come into your presence and we read your word, God, would you reveal it to us? Would you open it up to us? Would you make it come alive? And Father, would you use it to transform us, um, to refresh us, to strengthen us, encourage us, motivate us, um, change us and challenge us. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, we are going to be in the book of Leviticus chapter 14. Leviticus chapter 14. And it says this. The Lord said to Moses, These are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial cleansing when they are brought to the priest. The priest is to go outside, outside the camp and examine them. If they have healed, have been healed of their defiling skin disease, the priest shall order that two live clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yawn, and hyssop be brought for the person to be cleansed. Then the priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water in a clay pot. He is then to take the live bird and dip it together with the cedar, cedar wood the scarlet yawn, and the hyssop into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. Seven times he shall sprinkle the one to be cleansed of the defiling disease and then pronounce them clean. After that, he is to release the live bird in the open fields. Verse 8, the person to be cleansed must wash their clothes, shave off all their hair, and bathe with water then they will be ceremonially clean. After this, they may come into the camp, but they must stay outside their tent for seven days. On the seventh day, they must, must shave off all their hair. They must shave their head, their beard, their eyebrows, and the rest of their hair. They must wash their clothes and bathe themselves with water, and they will be clean. On the eighth day, uh, they must bring two male lambs and one ewe lamb a year old, each without defect, along with three-tenths of an ephah, of the finest flour mixed with olive oil for a grain offering and one log of oil. The priest who, is pronoun who pronounces them clean shall present both the one to be cleansed 
and their offerings before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Then the priest is to take one of the male lambs and offer it, it as a guilt offering along with the log oil. He shall wave them before the Lord as a wave offering. He is to slaughter the lamb in the sanctuary area where the sin offering and the burnt offering are slaughtered. Like the sin offering, the guilt offering belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of their right foot. The priest shall then take some of the log of oil, pour it in the palm of his own left hand, dip his right forefinger into the oil in his palm, and with his finger sprinkle some of it before the Lord seven times. The priest is to put some of the oil remaining in his palm on the lobe of the right ear the one to be, of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering. The rest of the oil in his palm the priest shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed and make atonement for them before the Lord. Then the priest is to sacrifice the sin offering and make atonement for the one who to be cleansed from their unclean, uncleanness. After that, the priest shall go slaughter the burnt offering and offer it on the altar together with the grain offering and make atonement for them, and they will be clean. If, however, verse 21, they are poor and cannot afford these, they must take one, one male lamb as a guilt offering to be waved to make atonement for them, together with a tenth of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil for a grain offering, a log of oil and two doves and two, or two young pigeons, such as they can afford, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. Verse 23, On the eighth day they must bring them from their cleansing to the priests at the entrance of, to the tent of meeting before the Lord. The priest is to take the lamb for the guilt offering together with the log of oil and wave them before the Lord as a wave offering. He shall slaughter the lamb for the guilt offering and take some of its blood and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of the right, of the right hand and on the big toe of their right foot. Verse 26, the priest is to pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand and with his right forefinger sprinkle some of the of the oil from his palm seven times before the Lord. Some of the oil in his palm he is to put on the same places he put the blood of the guilt offering, on the lobe of the right ear of the one who to be cleansed, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of their right foot. The rest of the oil in his palm the priest shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed to make atonement for them before the Lord. Then he shall sacrifice the doves or the young pigeons, such as the person can afford, one as a sin offering and one other, the other as a burnt offering, together with the grain offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement before the Lord on behalf of the one to be cleansed. These are the regulations for anyone who has defiling, who has a defiling skin disease, and who cannot afford the regular offerings for their cleansing. Verse 33. 
The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When you enter the land of Canaan, which I am giving you as your possession, and I put a spreading mold in a house in that land, the owner of the house must go and tell the priest, I have seen something that looks like defiling mold in my house. The priest is to order the house to be emptied before he goes in to examine the mold, so that nothing in the house will be pronounced unclean. After this, the priest is to go in and inspect the house. He is to examine the mold on the walls, and if it is greenish or reddish depressions that appear to be deeper than the surface of the wall, the priest shall go out the doorway of the house and close it up for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall return to inspect the house. If the mold has spread on the walls, he is to order that the contaminated stones be torn out and thrown into an unclean place outside the town. He must have all the inside walls of the house scraped and the material that is scraped off dumped into an unclean plate outside the town. Then they are to take other stones to replace these and take new clay and plaster to, uh, and plaster the house. Verse 43, If the defiling mold reappears in the house after the stones have been torn out and the house scraped and plastered, the priest is to go and examine, examine it. And if the mold has spread in the house, it is persistent. It is a persistent defiling mold. The house is unclean. It must be torn down, its stones, timbers, and all the plaster, and taken out of the town to an unclean place. Anyone who goes into the house while it is closed up will be unclean till evening. Anyone who sleeps or eats in the house must wash their clothes. But if the priest comes to examine it and the mold has not spread after the house has been plastered, he shall pronounce the house clean because the defiling mold is gone. To purify the house, he is to take two birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yawn, and hyssop. Verse 50, he shall kill one of the birds over the fresh water in the clay pot. Then he is to take the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet yawn, and the live bird, dip them in the blood of the dead bird and the fresh water, and sprinkle the house seven times. He shall purify the house with the bird's blood, the fresh water, the live bird, the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet yawn. Then he is to release the live bird in the open fields outside the town. In this way, he will make atonement for the house, and it will be clean. These are the regulations for any defiling skin disease, for a sore, for defiling mold in fabric or in the house and for a swelling rash or shiny spot to determine when something is clean or unclean. These are the regulations for defiling skin diseases and defiling molds. Whew! Lord, <laughs> God, we thank you for the book of Leviticus. <laughs> you know, a lot of us tend to shy away from this book because of the fact that yes, at first glance, it does seem like a ton of rules and regulations. I love, Deb, thank you for your honesty, because that's exactly what rolled through my mind the first time I read it. But 
as I was studying, I came across some really cool uh, things that help us to pick something out of this. Something out of this. Don't you don't you feel like when you read the book of Leviticus, I'm looking, God, just give me one thing. <laughs> just, just, just one thing uh, from these chapters, from this book. However, I will say this. It's amazing when you look at the Old Testament and you contrast it to the work that Jesus did to see the difference between what used to be and what now is. That is the beauty of the Old Testament. I don't think we should neglect the Old Testament or books like Leviticus or chapters like Leviticus chapter 14 because it shows us how beautiful the sacrifice of Jesus was. How amazing it is that Jesus came down from heaven off of his throne, leaving all of his glory, all of his majesty, all of his power, coming down to live a perfect life. I mean, if you think about what Jesus said in the New Testament, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. You know, and he said, until he returns, not one I nor one tittle will be erased from it, right? Like the fact that Jesus was able to fulfill the law. I mean, think about it, right? Let, let's start from the very beginning. It says um, in the book of Leviticus chapter 14, verse 1, it starts off with the process of how a person who had a skin disease, and that skin disease was specifically the disease of leprosy. Leprosy in the Old Testament is a, serves as a picture of sin. It is a skin, a flesh issue. It is a silent killer. It is, an, uh, it, it is said that in lep when somebody had leprosy, leprosy would first attack the nerves, which would then remove all the sense of feeling of the thing that was very killed, was killing them, right? Uh, leprosy is something that kills you from the inside out. It's an issue that's below the surface, much like sin. Sin is an issue of the flesh that is below the surface. It is not always what's seen, but it's always, it's more than often not what is unseen, right? So it serves as a great picture of sin. And the Bible says that this leprosy, the way that a person could be deemed unclean is to go through all this process. What is that process? Well, they first had to come to the priest. However, they could not enter into the town or the community because to do so would be to defile the community. When you were a leper, you had to stay outside of the camp. And anytime you were around people, you had to declare and yell out, I'm unclean, I'm clean, and you would be removed from the situation. You would be removed from the camp and you actually had to stay outside of the camp so that you would not defile anybody else, right? And so because of that, the priest, you could not go to the priest in the tabernacle. The priest had to come out to you, which meant that you were not welcome in the tabernacle. You could not enter into the tabernacle. You did not have the access that everybody had. You did not have the privilege of worshiping and experiencing the presence, the blessing, the favor of God like everybody else. You had to be outside of everything. And so they had to come out to you. When they came out to you, you had to present a bird or actually two birds, a stick or a piece of cedar, 
scarlet yawn, a branch of hyssop. Then one of those birds was killed um, in a clay bowl um, that also contained water. So he was killed over the clay bowl that also contained water. Now, mind you, I want you to see the parallel picture. The clay bowl represents an earthen vessel, right? An earthen vessel that had water in it that the Bible said calls fresh water. But the literal translation for that fresh water was living water because it was supposed to be water that was drawn not from like a fountain or it had to come from like a spring or a river that was flowing. And so they called it fresh water, river water, or living water. The bird that remained alive was to then be dipped in that blood, in that water, with the cedar wood, the scarlet yawn, the branch of hyssop. Then that had to be, as the, the bird was dipped, the priest would sprinkle it on the person seven times. Seven times sprinkled with water and blood, or blood and water, right? And then after that, the bird was let go with the blood and the water to fly freely. Okay, to fly to fly freely. And this was a picture of what we're gonna see in chapter sixteen, which is like what they call the scapegoat, right? where they would let the animal go free. They would let the goat go free and so that it would not return. And oftentimes they would not return. And it served as a picture, right? That this issue, your sin was now sent away and it was not going to return, right? Now, think about this for a second. This unusual ritual, and I got this from the study from a guy named David Guzak, who puts it this way. This unusual ritual can be summarized with these points. This happened outside the camp, away from normal conduct of the system of the sacrifice. Right? Uh, there, a living thing of the heavens was sacrificed in an earthen vessel. Even as the bird was killed, uh, even as the bird was killed, it was cleansed by the running water. This death associated with water and blood was applied to the leper and applied perfectly seven times in connection with a living bird. The sacrificial blood was also applied to, to scarlet yawn and a piece of wood together with, his, with hyssop, bearing the mark of sacrifices. The living bird flew away, ascending to the heavens and out of sight. Now, Here's where it gets really interesting. David Guzak, um, who is a, uh, a pastor theologian who wrote a commentary, he says this, In a remarkable way, this unusual ritual points to the future work of the Messiah, who would cleanse those stained with the leprosy sin. Jesus was sacrificed outside of the camp, according to Hebrews chapter 13, 11 through 13. Jesus was the man from heaven, the vessel from heaven, right? Jesus remained cleansed and holy even in his death, becoming sin without becoming a sinner. Jesus came by water and blood and died in association with blood and water. 
Jesus died in association with a scarlet cloth. Jesus died in association with wood. Jesus died in association with hyssop. Jesus lived bearing the marks of his death. And Jesus ascended to heaven out of the human sight. Way before Jesus was sacrificed on the cross, y'all, he was already being portrayed in the Old Testament through this sacrifice of the birds and through this sacrifice, this offering that was presented to the priest. But what I really appreciate is that because of the work of Jesus, you and I no longer have to go through this excruciating process to be able to experience our, our cleansing and our healing and our deliverance. In fact, it brought me back to uh, the work that Jesus did with the leper in Matthew chapter 8. You find the story in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. In Matthew chapter 8, it says, when Jesus, this is Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, I want to stop right there because... In the Old Testament, the priest had to come out to you and you could not go into the presence of the priest, right? You could not enter into the tabernacle. But in the New Testament, Jesus comes and he doesn't say, you need to stay away from me. He actually allows you to draw near to him, to come near to him with all of your issues, with all of your blemishes, with all of your sicknesses, with all of your diseases, with every single problem you face in life. God does not cast you aside, but Jesus actually allows you to come in, to draw near, to come close. And the Bible actually tells us that anyone that draws near unto the Lord shall be saved, right? But he says, he said, the man came before Jesus. He knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, I love this because the next thing that Jesus does is Jesus reached out his hand. Listen to me. God will always reach out to you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter how unclean you are, the beauty of the sacrifice that Jesus made, the beauty of the fact that you and I get to live in this New Testament and not have to go through all of the rituals, all of the religion, all of the, the process of the Old Testament to fulfill the law, Jesus came and he reaches out to us and he touched this man and he said, I am willing. I am willing. I want you to know and be encouraged that God is willing to heal you. That God is willing to set you free. That God cleanses, he heals, he delivers, he sets free because it is his will to do so. And Jesus said to the man, be clean. And watch this. In the Old Testament, you had to go seven days. Then you had to go eight days. Then you had to do this and you had to do that. And no, no. In the New Testament, Jesus says, immediately, 
he was cleansed of his leprosy immediately. You no longer have to wait through time. God can change you. And all it takes is a word and a touch. A word and a touch. Come on. All it takes is one word from Jesus. All it takes is one touch from Jesus. And you can be healed, restored, delivered, set free from every single bondage, illness, and disease. That's the God that we serve. That is the God that we serve. And that is the beauty of his sacrifice. And that is exactly what the Old Testament points to. That what is impossible for man, this leprosy, this impossible thing to, to cure, is, it is possible and made possible through God and his work and his sacrifice. Amen. As it continues, he goes on to talk about the process of how, um, in, I'm back in Leviticus chapter 14, the process by which someone who is who maybe doesn't have money is poor. The Bible says, if a man is poor, here's the process. Man, you got to buy birds. You got to do all this stuff. Then you got to put the blood on the lobe, on the right lobe, the thumb of the right hand, the right, <laughs> your right big toe. This is absolutely ridiculous what we had to go through, what they had to go through in the Old Testament. But I really want to go down and skip all the way down to verse 33 because I felt like the Lord really impressed upon me um, something that I think we should know and learn as a family, as a family unit, those of us who have families. Maybe you don't have a family, but get ready to have a family. Or yet, you know what? Just you need to be aware of what's going on in your home. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 14, verse 33, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When you enter the land of Canaan, which I am giving you as your possession, and I put a spreading mold in a, and I put a spreading mold in a house in that land, the owner of the house must go and tell the priest, I have seen something that looks like defiling mold in my house. The priest is to order the house to be emptied before he goes in to examine the mold so that nothing in the house will be pronounced unclean. After this, the priest is to go in and inspect the house. He is to examine the mold on the walls. If it was greenish or reddish depressions that appeared to be deeper than the surface of the wall, the priest shall go out the doorway of the house and close it up for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall return to inspect the house. If the mold has spread on the walls, he is to order that contaminated stones, the contaminated stones be torn and thrown into an unclean place outside the town. He goes on to say, if they go back and they find that the house still has mold in it, he says, you know what? Tear the thing down. And I thought, man, God, that is so extreme that people would have to go through this process, right? But I felt the Lord say, and this might be for somebody, when you find defilement in the house, you cannot go on with business as usual. That's a word for somebody. When you find defilement in the house, 
when you find mold in the house, you see all these things, leprosy, mold, uh, uncleanness, they are all pictures, types of sin. When you find sin in the house, you cannot continue with business as usual, right? I know this has nothing to do with it. But there's that quote by Dave Ramsey, you got to live like no one today so you can live like no one tomorrow, right? What defilement, what uncleanness are you allowing to linger, to have place in your home? And what are you doing? To ensure that that sin, that uncleanliness, that defilement, that compromise, that uh, that sin in your home, what are you doing to remove the mold? Are you continuing as business as usual? Or are you going through the process of ensuring that sin and compromise have no place in your home, that you will do whatever it takes, flip the place upside down to ensure that there is no defilement, that there is no sin, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, that sin and compromise have no place in my home, and I will not sleep until we were ever er completely eradicated from our homes, from our families, from our marriages. Listen to me. Some of us, our marriages are struggling because we have allowed sin to linger, because we have allowed compromise to linger. Some of us, our families are struggling because we have allowed sin and compromise to linger. Listen to me. Some of churches, some churches are struggling because we have allowed sin and compromise to linger. Listen to me. We cannot sleep until, until the issues have been dealt with. We cannot allow sin, compromise to linger. We have to get uncomfortable with it. We have to get out of the comfort zone. We have to go above and beyond to ensure that we completely eradicate these things from our home the house of God. We cannot continue. That's a word for somebody. I don't know what it is. But we cannot continue with business as usual. Amen? Amen. That's Those are the golden nuggets that I got from the book of Leviticus chapter 14. I'd love to know what you got out of it. So make sure uh, you leave it in the comment. But let me pray for you guys. Father, we just thank you. God, I thank you for each and every single one of the people that are on this uh, Zoom. God, I thank you. Um, God, I just thank you that because of the sacrifice that you made on the cross, God, we don't have to go through any of this. That there's not this excruciating process that we have to go through. That there's not this seven days and we have to wait for this and eight days we have to wait for that. That we don't have to have blood on our earlobe and thumbs and big toes. God, because of the sacrifice that you made on the cross, all we have to do is put our trust and faith in you.
And so, God, I just pray that we would continue to do that. I pray that we would set our eyes to you from where our help comes from. I pray, God, that our salvation comes from you and from you alone. But, God, I also pray that we would not be comfortable with the sin and compromise that lingers in our homes, that lingers in our hearts, that lingers in our lives, our marriages, our families. God, that we would get uncomfortable to eradicate by your spirit and your strength and your ability the sin that so easily entangles us, God. God, I pray that you would enable us to walk in a manner and live in a manner that is pleasing unto you, that is worthy of your name. God, I pray that you would bless each and every person, bless their families, bless their children, bless their homes, bless their uh, their finances, God. God, I pray as we go into this weekend, Lord, that you would show up in a way that only you can do so, that you would receive all the glory, all the honor. God, I pray that of everything that happens this weekend, that it would serve to serve one purpose, and that is to make your name famous in this region. God, I pray that your name would be glorified. I pray that you would be lifted up. God, I pray that people's lives would be transformed. I pray that, that Father God, bondages would be broken, that deliverance would come for people, and that the sacrifice that you made as an earthen, earthen vessel, shedding your blood, hanging on the piece of wood, God, that that sacrifice would set each and every person free. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen and amen. Hey, I love you guys. I can't wait to be with you and worship with you this weekend. Make sure you invite your friends, families. It's going to be an incredible weekend. I will see you on Sunday.